When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, episode 111. We've been trying to make this conversation uh, happen for a little bit. And I know that uh, he, at one point, last time I had him on, had choppy internet connection. And this time it's going to be an adventure for me on internet connection. I got Mark Claire back with me today. And I'm very, very excited to uh, talk to him. Mark, how you doing, dude? What's happening, Kyle? What's going on, man? Uh, nothing. Uh, I was just down in the uh, Sunshine State, like we were uh, talking about off of, uh, you know, before we started recording. And I know that you're uh, kind of working your way there. Um, you know, I've got eyes that way. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I really can't blame you. My fiance and I have been down there probably four or five times in the last year. And it's like, you know, I, I remember walking out of my job here in Pennsylvania, the first like nice day we had. And all I could think is, why can't I have this every day? (laughs) You can. I mean, that was actually like one of the things I thought about LA too. Um, now my, my weather taste has evolved a little bit. Now my taste is just whatever weather my wife is happiest in. And Florida is the one place that she's never complained about being cold. She, like, to her LA, like she grew up in Mexico city. So her, to her, Los Angeles was freezing. Like she thought wow. it was cold. So Florida is the one place where she's like, Oh, this is, this is perfect. So mm-hmm. that makes it easy. Yeah, dude, I got you. Yeah, well, you know, the original reason why I invited you on was because I th- there was a misunderstanding completely on my part when we were kind of going back and forth about um, the political stuff. And, and this obviously doesn't matter all that much, you know, the conversation. But um, I-, I feel like you get a lot of flack for your stance on any political route right now because you've kind of turned over a new leaf over the last two and a half years is I think is completely reasonable for anybody that's kind of been a person in the Liberty movement over the last, you know, 10 years, um, especially over the last two and a half years to kind of change over a new leaf. Um, if you were speaking to your younger self and he would listen to a T, um, what would you tell him right now? And, you know, let's say COVID didn't happen. Or um, I, I guess both scenarios, let's say COVID happened or it didn't happen. If you had the ear of, you know, 25-year-old Mark, what would you tell him? Mm, man, there's so much here. There's so <laughs> much to say. And it's one of those things, because I, I think about this kind of stuff a lot. I always think, you know, what would I do different, this and that. And But then I always go back and think that the kind of like circular thing of, well, but 
I had to go through those doing those things wrong to fully appreciate where I am now kind of stuff. Yeah. That being said, I won't just dodge the question like, like a politician. <laughs> um, I was trying to. But now, I mean, I would tell that 25-year-old kid to probably drink less, uh, to exercise <laughs> more, to take life a little more seriously, to not eschew the idea of uh, settling down even at that age, potentially, because uh, it was something I was very much like, I was just one of those like, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have kids. I'm just going to party and have fun. And I hate the idea of like partying and having fun being associated, like not associated with, because I have more fun with my wife than I ever had single. So, I mean, it's yeah. the idea that you stop being fun. Like, like I think Dave Smith actually said this like on, on um, when I interviewed him a few weeks ago to me. And he said, like, I think the real idea to challenge is the idea that you're actually having fun if you're doing a lot of what I was, which was drinking late, sleeping in. Uh, I mean, I, I was at a point in my life, not like in a horrible way. I mean, I was a productive citizen. I, you know, mm -hmm. I worked and made money. I wasn't like in the doldrums or anything, but I definitely put too much time into meaningless activities uh, and to fruitless endeavors, which are, might be phrases you've heard me use recently too. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just as I would talk to my younger self today, I'm talking to younger versions of myself, uh, you know, kind of in, in this area or even current age or older versions of myself. I mean, I think it doesn't really matter what stage you are in life. You can always uh, look back and see how you could do things different and we can never change the past. I would never really want to change the past, even the horrible things I've been through, the saddest moments, because they've all made me stronger and made me who I am. But we can use the past and use our, what we, you, we can use what we would tell our 25 year old self to tell our current self, because that's really all I'm doing I, I just happen to have a microphone in front of me too yeah well and it's really nice to see this kind of evolution and you've seen it with um pete as well and a lot of people throw shit you guys way but i i don't know i can't bring myself to completely go nuclear on people like i see people do to one another because it's like okay you can learn from pretty much anybody and especially people who have been in your position those are probably the people that you should listen to the most that now have had a change of heart like that's probably the advice you should hear the loudest and kind of watch the closest because once again you guys have been there and the part that's so frustrating for me when i see people bust your balls it's like you understand who you are right I i've quote tweeted you so many times and said like you you understand that mark has like been here for years and years and years it's not like he just came out of nowhere and said well fuck the lp and fuck what you guys are doing it's like this has been like a long road that you've critically analyzed you've thought about and you realized this has been what you would call a fruitless endeavor for me so i'm going to do something else and um anything you want to add there because there's uh, something that i wanted to kind of move on to but um, i'm going to get your thoughts on kind of anything else there yeah i mean we could dive into this like fruitless endeavor idea a sure. little bit maybe because yeah. i i think that's it's well dave said something too which i think is like correct and like uh, i think john odermatt like tweeted something about it um where he said you know dave said like you know at one point he was just going to stand-up clubs every night and and like working his way up but then spending all his free time learning Austrian economics. And like a lot of people told him like, you're wasting your time. You're wasting mm -hmm. your time doing this. But it was the combination of those two things that turned, basically turned him into what he is now. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point. Like it's, it's a good point that you should pursue things you're interested in. Um, and yes, they could lead to, to other things They could lead to greater careers that they, uh, that your interests can uh, cross over uh, in, in unexpected ways. I don't think that's a good analogy to, well, analogies always suck, so they're, they're literally never good. I don't think anyone's ever heard an analogy that didn't already agree with it or disagree with it and change yeah. their mind. But nonetheless, I'll use one anyway. But I, I, I think 
don't, I, I don't think it's a good analogy because to the idea of like pursuing a political strategy because mm-hmm. especially this political strategy, because I, I, essentially the idea of a political strategy should be to get in a position to change the laws or change the politics. Mm-hmm. And it's been stated, and I'm not even talking about even currently, I'm talking about for years and years and years when I would have uh, Libertarian Party candidates on my show, uh, every single one of them said, yes, well, of course, and of course I'm not going to win. Uh, that's not that's not really what this is about. And for a long time, I listened to that and said, well, yeah, that's cool. Like, you're just, who cares? You're just doing this thing and maybe getting spreading a message or what have you. Uh, but when you realize, now look, I and I think sometimes all of us, whatever you might want to say, get yeah. kind of together. Like, I'm not recommending anyone pursue a political strategy per se. Right. I'm recommending the just fix your own shit and shit's good. That putting the energy into that and the effort into that is going to be more productive for you than pursuing politics. So I'm not necessarily saying pursue this over that politically. Although if you're going to insist on doing politics, I do have ideas about what is going to be more of a less effective and what could at least maybe potentially have a little effect in your actual life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think that was largely what I kind of read past. And once I kind of hammered down on kind of talking past you in this specific conversation that I'm thinking of, um, I I look back at tweets. I'm like, I'm such an asshole for not just stopping while I was there and saying, hold on. Let's hear what Mark has to say, and let's let's. It's kind talk of the point of the that. Twitter, right? Twitter's right. The, where we get to be the biggest asshole versions of ourselves. So I mean, like, I never even—I don't yeah. even like remember the particular exchange with you because I'm—I tweet a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I never—I don't think I've ever walked away from. Well, maybe not never, but pretty much hardly ever walked away from like going at it with someone on Twitter, like actually angry or something. Like to me, it's all fun. Like I have a blast. So yeah, but whatever. Yeah, no, no, and, and I'm not bringing it up in a way that I, I feel like there was any bad blood or anything like that, but yeah, no. it, it's just uh, the the whole conversation of um, the pursuing of a fruitless endeavor. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of chasing that when it comes to the LP, but one thing that kind of struck a chord with me was uh, I had Reed literally stay at my house um, a couple weeks ago when he was moving to New Hampshire. And he brought very nice up. of you to take a homeless man in for, for a night. <laughs> uh, you know, that's what I do. You know, I used to, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny is um, I had a lot of friends in high school that we used to all go out to field parties and all go get hammered. And then they would come back to my house, you know, my parents' house and they would stay over. And my uh, stepdad always used to say, I'm just going to bring a bunch of homeless people over to your house whenever you buy a house and have them all just sleep all over the furniture. So it's <laughs> just, it's kind of reminiscent of that. But, um, <laughs> When it comes to the LP, um, something that was very interesting that he brought up to me was this community and the culture aspect. And I had Michael Heiss on yesterday, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, Do you think that there is something useful to the cultural aspect of this where you can have somebody like Reed travel across the country and literally don't have to spend a dime on staying somewhere because there's, oh, I must've cut out here. Um, The cultural aspect is a, important here where people can travel across the country and get assistance from other people without um you know having to pay for hotels or something like that like basically just having friends in a decentralized network i I see something very valuable in that and perhaps for some people that may give them a bit of a purpose that they didn't have prior so do do you see that kind of aspect of it yeah very much so Uh, and and it's interesting because the 
when I ever kind of start discussing this with people and I push back on the polit- political part of it, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I get as the answer is the, the yeah. uh, putting out the community aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't, I'm not against the community aspect of it at all, but it's, it's interesting to me that this political activity that whenever push comes to shove on the conversation, what always gets pushed back to the forefront is the community aspect sure. and not the political aspect, yeah. which kind of is just telling me like, well, yeah, we kind of know the political aspect is just this, thing we do it's part of our collective struggle maybe as kind of as dave sort of alluded to um but that doesn't i mean that, that doesn't just to me that doesn't just justify the political aspect as its sure. own thing that just says yes it's great to to like i i drove across the country back in april and uh, um let's see i paid to stay places two nights and i was put up by people i knew through the podcasting world like four or five nights i, I, I did that without you know i didn't have to join the lp for that i mean yeah. like i and and Dave Smith even on that on that show he said he would he would uh, you know put me up at his place if I ever needed a place to stay and I take him at his word for that so it's not like you need to be in this in a, some in any really any I mean if we're talking decentralized you don't need to be in any organization to like build these relationships and, and be friends because I'm friends with people who are in the Mises Caucus not in the Mises Caucus yeah. like whatever and I'll, I'll, like I'm not gonna say all of them <laughs> a good number of them would all let me stay at their house if I needed a place to stay so I think the network building is is part of this community building but it doesn't need to be contained in any one organization. I think that's, that's um, a step of, of logic that I just don't see. Sure. Yeah, no, and I completely understand that. And, you know, I do agree with the uh, political part because, and you and Pete in particular, when I listened to the shows that you guys did together, um, I don't want to say it was blackpilling, but um, <laughs> after my friend Kate had got removed from mayor, and I know this is so stupid to kind of get hung up on, but it, it was kind of a sinking moment for me where I'm like, okay, maybe politics is just a shitty game because then you had Ian Smith and you had Ian Smith on your show, but he was on my show as well. And I thought when he was running for Congress as a Republican, this dude has um, national notoriety, right? He's been on Tucker Carlson, um, you probably couldn't name a single person who's been more um, better at fighting the COVID regime and been more um, pronounced in that regard, right? I mean, this dude was known all over the place in May of 2020, and then he lost, right? And the GOP never kind of came to his rescue. And I hate to put it in that terms, but you kind of see what I'm saying is that like, this should have been the guy that the GOP should have said, hey, we need to put everything behind this guy because he is like the emblem of freedom in this regard like he's been fighting the government literally since may of 2020 like he deserves our full support but then he never got it and now he's joining the libertarian party and and that that tail end part isn't so much important but it's more so the aspect of like this guy should have been somebody that everybody should have supported but when it mattered no one did so when I look at that and when I look at what happened with Kate being removed as mayor, I kind of took a step back and thought, man, th- this political game is just, it sucks. <laughs> if you're going to do it, it is a fucking brutal path and you're probably going to get your dick kicked in the entire time you're trying. Right. And yeah, I mean, like, I think both those situations actually kind of highlight just how political power works. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know the full story of the of the mayor, but I think she was elected like a mayor um, without a part and not a partisan election, or, or does she not have an opponent or she had an opponent, but maybe I, you can fill in the gap here. I don't know the exact deal. I think there was an incumbent I, and I could be wrong, but I, I just know that she was elected and there was some issue with some legalities because she was um, 
convicted of a felony and th- there's some minutia around there that I'm 100% familiar with. But well, the, um, the point is yeah. in either of those situations, they don't really have political power. Yeah. <laughs> that, right. that's, that's what happened there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you look from the outside, Oh, this gym owner stood up to COVID cool, but he's not connected to anybody that has political power mm-hmm. and he probably wasn't, you know, like, so like, it's not like New Jersey Republicans politicians are going to look at this guy and be like, Oh yeah, this is the guy we should go support because he stood up against the COVID regime. No, I mean, it's a nice idea. I agree. It should have worked that way. Um, if like, you know, I, I feel like a New Jersey Republican is probably similar to like, a, you know, a Tory in England. Like they probably, you know, they're probably still mostly like 90% left, but because New Jersey is just like, a, you know, it's like California, like a California Republican. It's pretty similar. Um, they're just like Democrats light for the most part. Not No <laughs> No offense to good Republicans in uh, New Jersey yeah, yeah, yeah. or California or, or what have you. But yeah, I mean, if you don't have the power, then you're just doing a something it's like a pot you're you're doing something that might have a, a populist tint to it it might feel good you might even become the mayor but but you're going to be a powerless mayor then in that case if you sneak through the cracks as i think you, you know as we're finding out here again i don't know i don't really know the details but clearly like how many politicians are in office that have like killed people ted kennedy fucking killed a woman and then was had no problem why because he had the political power mm-hmm. yeah and the conversation around political power so interesting and there's so many different layers to it and it's frustrating because if we want to do something to free people then it's going to require stepping on toes especially as libertarians um and you see so many people freaking out about DeSantis, and i'm kind of stepping back and doing what you do right the watcher and i I look at the whole situation. I see a lot of people in the Republican, post-libertarian, whatever kind of camp freaking out about the dude running um, against him as a libertarian. And I see the libertarians saying, oh, he should do this. And my perspective on this is Ron DeSantis is probably one of the most popular Republicans in the entire country right now, right? And the libertarians are going to run a dude who literally has 100 followers on Twitter against him thinking something's going to happen i just i don't see it changing anything at all either way and especially when you have i think it was over a hundred thousand or ten thousand republicans move to florida after 2020 and what he's done after 2020 and the way that he's been treated by the media in like a in popular media or right-wing media right i don't see him being knocked from that spot especially when everybody's looking at him as potentially the next president. Um, If he wants to stay governor, I don't see him losing any way. And I'm completely honest. If if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong, but I don't see his notoriety and his popularity fading no matter what. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly going to be gunning for him. So if there's any room for chicanery, there certainly will be, but uh, I think he's probably got a hold on the situation. Let's just put it that way. I don't, I don't envision a a time magazine article about how they fortified the election uh, against Ron DeSantis. Let's just put it that way. But um, yeah, I mean, and I I think I felt like kind of stupid one day when I I saw the guy, it was just kind of my my knee jerk reaction to like quote tweet him and say how stupid an idea it was. And then I looked at the account and it literally, I think at the time, maybe he's gained some now had like 38 followers. And I was like, I probably just got this guy more attention by retweeting it than he would have ever gotten the whole time anyway. So it's probably not even worth paying attention to, but it does go to, uh, I mean, it just speaks to this idea. Like, look, if if you think it's a bad idea for 
this guy to or anybody really from the LP to to run a campaign against Ron DeSantis. First of all, like you said, I don't think it's going to garner it wouldn't garner any attention. Like no matter who it was, like Ron DeSantis is Trump. He sucks all the energy out of it. So all that energy in Florida is going to be DeSantis or non DeSantis. It's just a stupid thing to do. Like yeah. I'm not. It's, I'm not really worried it's going to be the deciding factor. Although, I mean, it was very close for DeSantis in 2018, but of course that was a totally different world and a, and a totally different Florida. So that's, that's right. why hopefully you're right that it wouldn't be that close. Um, but it's just a stupid thing to do because yeah. you're now, you now, as far as the libertarian brand in Florida, mm-hmm. yeah, we're running against this guy. We're against what this guy did. We're going to run. Against, it doesn't matter how you frame it when you're not, when you're not someone's political, um, political, um, when you're when you are their political enemy, you're not their friend. So if you're if you're saying I'm in this other party and I'm running against, there's the word against you. That means you're against them. It means you're you're posturing yourself against them. And if that's what the Libertarian Party of anywhere wants to be against someone who's done actually done things, done things yes with power that drastically altered people's lives. I mean, I'll never forget like you know this conversation with Tho Bishop that I was I had maybe in 2021. And he he was pretty much laid it out there. I mean, like how different of a life I live than Tho Bishop lived because of our specific geography and because of specifically one man, like literally one guy. Like this is the Ron DeSantis show. It's not the Republican Party of of Florida. I mean, there's a lot of like shit Republicans there, just like New Jersey, just like everywhere else. This is a one man show. I mean, he's put good people around him, but in terms of the power, it's a one man show. And this it's been that one man has drastically. I, I mean, drastically just just affected people's lives by the millions i mean this is no small thing so to run a campaign against that person it's just a dumb thing to do yeah well you know what's funny is i had uh the person who's running against marjorie taylor green on the show and this is before i really knew anything about her but i kind of look at you know hector and um i think her name's angela i can't even remember but um these two people running against them and it's like okay i guarantee you they're great libertarians right but let's consider the context. I don't guarantee. There. I would not guarantee you that, but but I'll I'll, I'll grant you that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, for the purpose yeah. of conversation. Sure. <laughs> um, when you run against people who are good, and, and yes, they're not perfect. We all agree. Yes, Rhonda Sandsonia. Whatever. The fact that a lot of people down there did not have to stick a needle in their arm to maintain their job or maintain their uh, quality of life. You can't overstate the importance of that after 2020, right? And I've told this story many, many a times, but it bears repeating in this scenario. My fiance had got a letter from her work in March of 2020 that said, if you were pulled over by the police for being outside of your home, you can show them this letter and let them know that you're on your way to work. I had one of those too. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying to think about that, right? And I'm an auto mechanic, right? This cut on my finger right here, I was grinding exhaust, fucked it up. Anyways... I'm a mechanic, right? Cars are always going to fucking break. I got laid off in 2020, right? I, never in my wildest fucking dreams did I think I would get laid off from fixing cars. Yeah. This, it's like the recession-proof industry, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at Florida and what DeSantis has been able to do in Florida, um, yes, he just passed a law or whatever to um, – if you have music playing too loud in your fucking car, then you – I don't care, dude. I didn't have to, these people didn't have to stick a needle in their arm. Their lives are substantially better. Seeing people flip out about that is, is extra fucking hilarious. Um, yes, it's not libertarian. And yeah, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to necessarily a law like that ideally at the state level, but in terms of look, 
even in Ankapistan, actually, especially in Ankapistan, when all your communities are private, yeah. they're probably going to, what, what people don't like to envision is that Ankapistan is probably going to have much stricter rules than this world we live in. So when you freak like out about HOA. someone like banning you know, music too loud or whatever, um, realize that it's going to be way worse in Ankapistan. There's probably going to be no loud music in any neighborhood after 10, 10 p.m. because that's where civilized people gather and the fucking maniacs, they'll just live on the fucking outskirts of, of Ankapistan, uh, unable to get into these private communities. So it's, just, it's, a, it's a very silly thing, especially, like you said, when compared to literally, literally, he, the man has saved lives. I have no doubt about it. Uh, he saved lives by not by a lot of people that didn't take vaccines that maybe would have felt forced into it or what have you. Um, kids that didn't have to go to school with masks on. Yeah. Again, this is all because of one person. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, he might have non-libertarian takes on things like every politician, uh, but you have to judge someone on their actions and the results of the actions. And in this case, I mean, I, I, it's what there's a reason we're talking about Ron DeSantis and not not even Christy Noem, not even like 48 other governors. It's because <laughs> this is a this is a very unique situation and a very unique case. And he may just be like people might even say, well, he's not genuine. He's going to turn their back on the. I don't even care if he's genuine. If if he's decided his best his best political strategy is to cater to people like me, then okay. So then then I'll put him and then I'll be, support him catering to people like me who don't want to be jabbed. I'm fine with that. I don't care what his yeah. motivations are. Right. And, and, you know, I'm completely guilty of not um, of saying, oh, that they're not a principled person. And it is something that I still kind of work with because I have that knee jerk libertarian reaction where you want them to be a libertarian. But I understand they're not um, kind of going on a long tangent earlier. I completely um, lost the point that I was trying to make. But basically, um, welcome to my brain, man. That's how yeah. I, every interview of mine. I'm like, what was I actually saying again? So yeah. <laughs> I, I just want it to be a good conversation. I, I think I. Uh, hopefully do a good job at that but um when you run this hector angela against marjorie taylor green or ron DeSantis, um all potential people who are generally going to be republicans or right-leaning people who are liberty-minded and freedom-minded they're going to hate you because you now put yourself in the position of being against the people who gave them objective liberty so why are we running somebody against marjorie taylor but they green? can offer you better philosophical literate liberty great <laughs> What, what what do you want? Do do you want to be the most correct person in the room, or do you want to not have to stick a needle in your arm? Do you want not have to worry about getting a note to go to work? At, what's you know what's the purpose here? So if there's a you know no good person in a race, and you want to spread the ideas, then okay, I see your point. But when it comes to somebody like DeSantis, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, why don't we just push your resources and people towards maybe a more winnable race or a race that isn't primarying someone who's actually good and objectively has made people's lives better? Right. And I guess the idea is, well, we need someone in those races to spread the libertarian message, but no one's going to hear your libertarian message. No, no one's going to care to. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I knocked doors for Ron Paul in 2008. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it that in, I thought in Los Angeles, I really was this dumb at the time. I thought in Los Angeles, oh, these people will say he's, he's, he's anti-war. He's uh, against the war on drugs. He's against everything Bush put into place. He's against the Iraq war, the war on terror, all of it. I would go down. These people would be like agreeing with me and they'd be like, yeah, I would never vote for a Republican door closed. I mean, time after time, after time, after time, you have to realize, I mean, like, 
you have to realize the political realities uh, of things sometimes. And it, it, it doesn't feel good to libertarians because we want a different political system. We want a non-political world. We want a, a, a world without this power, but it doesn't exist. It, it doesn't exist. It's like saying we want a world where we don't have to deal with breathing air or we don't have to, you know, I mean, it, it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. There's no world without political power. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So take that for what you will. I'm not saying to people, go grab it. I'm not saying that to most people. I mean, I'm saying you shouldn't even bother with it is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think I'm moving more and more towards that space. And I find myself wanting to listen to less and less political conversations because it's, it's almost like a circle jerk. It's a intellectual circle jerk. And I see so many libertarians engaging in a circle jerk and even some of the guys who consider themselves post-libertarians, when they start just talking about, oh, right wing and grabbing political power and this and that, I'm like, all right, <laughs> what, what, what are we doing here? I, I So I don't know. I've been kind of getting more into like fitness stuff again. And I mean, obviously, that's kind of the purpose of the show. But I've been listening to a lot of content because I do find the political conversations can be a little bit exhausting when that's all you listen to all the time ad nauseum. And maybe it's just me. And maybe it's just because I'm not temperamentally built to just sit there and grind away at intellectual stuff. But at some point, you know, I just want to roll down the windows and drive the car and listen to some music on the way home or just listen to something that I'm a little bit more interested in rather than the Roe versus Wade debate. You're describing so. why I host a whole podcast about comics. <laughs> that, that's You just summed it up. Yeah, and it is refreshing sometimes to just kind of take a break from the political stuff. And like these last two weeks, um, I literally, when it came to the Roe versus Wade stuff, I had to stay off Twitter pretty much for the entire weekend because um, I can't even remember what I was doing with my fiance, but I know we had some stuff to do. And I'm like, look, if I go into, there was a tag, I think it said abortion is not. And I clicked on it for a second. And I think I read like one or two tweets and I got right back out of it. I'm like, look, I'm not going to ruin this fucking weekend over this because there's going to be so many opinions that I'm just going to want to fucking annihilate, but I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a time in my life to if like if this Roe versus Wade happened two years ago, mm-hmm. I would be on Facebook right now arguing with all my idiot lefty friends who are posting all this, the, all these. You know, I've I've only seen it because I decided. Let me just, a few days later, it's like let me just go look because I don't really go on Facebook like I used to. I used to just be in there arguing with people because with all my lefty friends from California or whatever, yeah. and thinking th- thinking that like that wasn't that was a fruitless endeavor. Like the, like I'm again like I'm talking to myself with all this stuff. It's it's and you know what it is. This is like the the libertarian political path is the is the equivalent of arguing on Facebook. You know, it's it's the <laughs> it's the, it's the, it's the political equivalent of arguing on Facebook. Yeah. Or any third party path. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm choosing libertarians because that's the circle we're talking about. But I mean, that that's what it is. It's it's the equivalent of arguing on Facebook. It's arguing and trying to get to being right. Um, just just so you can feel like you were right, but you didn't change anything. You didn't even change the one person's mind you were really like getting into it with. If anything, the best thing that can happen, which I think is the same of the libertarian party path, is that through the process of doing something unproductive. Y- some you will make friends and people will overhear you and like some people might change their perspectives like that i agree that's like the that's the best case for it right and and i i think that's mostly kind of what i look to the mises caucus for because I, i can't lie um This is going to kind of a good bridge into the whole networking idea. So part of the reason why I kind of want to stay here in Pennsylvania as much as I hate snow and as much as I would love to get out of here, um, 
I am the son of a business owner, right? I mean, my family has owned businesses a couple miles away from my house for the last four generations, right? Um, I could call up anybody and have somebody over here to fix my house within less than a week. Um, I could walk out of my job today and have a job at pretty much any dealer within like 50 miles of my house and they would hire me within a week. Um, You name it. I'm pretty good. And thank God, both my parents, although they divorced when I was young, um, they've always been there for me. And life was a little bit rough when I was a little bit younger, but um, I would never starve, right? I have very, very reliable people. And I'll put a price on that, on that kind of community. Right, right. Um, I think that's kind of what I want everybody to kind of have their life towards, right? I want people to have their health and a network that they can rely on. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing. And I think that is probably the most bullish case for the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus is that people can develop this community. And I think the country is going to kind of, we're going to see the collapse of the dollar or some kind of, the thing that Austrians have been warning about for a long time is coming, whether, I don't know when it's going to come, but I think it's going to come. And I think it's important that we have some kind of community. And for me, I'm good, right? Um, You know, I got my network around me. My only um, argument against that would just be like the community is unrelated to this political activity you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It just, well, it my, just so yeah. happens that you're. I'm not talking about you here, but yeah. I mean, like, like I drove across the country and I, I Jason Stapleton bought me lunch. Buck Johnson let me stay at his house. Uh, a guy I'd never met before, but I knew through Throw Bishop, let me stay at his house. I mean, wow. so it's like, and none of us are in an organization together, you know. So yeah. it's like the community building happens naturally in a decentralized way anyway. So even if you like, for example, if the libertarian party disbanded tomorrow, if it just Mm -hmm. stopped existing and the Mises caucus stopped existing, that community would not stop existing. The same community would still exist. Mm -hmm. They'd all be there. The connections would still be there and they'd still be made. And there'd be connections to people outside the community. Like there are now, I'm sure there's people that get people jobs that are not in the Mises Mm -hmm. caucus. It's just, it just so happens that a lot of you met this way through this process. And again, like you can't, you can't turn back the past. Like I wouldn't want to take, anybody any connection away that people have happened to have met through this process but again i i, I compare uh, i guess i'll i like to say analogies stuck in the idea of analogies but this is what i think this one i think is okay actually because i think about this a lot um like when when i think about college and like kids now going to college or what i would tell people to do um you know I, my stepson's gonna be 18 in four years so and uh, i'm probably he's gonna be told he has to go to college or, or whatever luckily he's like already does, says he doesn't want to so i'm like let's not let's 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 work with that Cheaper option and probably better for him. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, it would be hard for me to like say that the best thing to do is to go to, to like go back to my 18 year old self and say, yes, you should go to college and get a four year degree because mm-hmm. that's the smart thing to do. It took me like 15 years to pay off these loans. I didn't, I've realized like I was working with people. I'll never forget the day I realized like one of my coworkers didn't have a college degree. I was like, what? And I'm like, I was like, how'd you get the job? He's like, oh, I just started working and then like learned it. I was like, oh, so I could have done that instead of paying all this money. I could have yeah. just like, done it okay great uh but yeah i mean so i would say it's not probably not smart to go back to go to college like mm-hmm. necessarily depending on what yeah obviously you got to be a doctor or a lawyer yeah. you have to whatever. but other than that i wouldn't say it's necessarily a good idea that being said i for myself like look i met brian john like lions liberty wouldn't have existed if i hadn't happened to meet them in that place so it's like yeah, it's, it's hard to look at it and separate those things because the way you went through your life, yeah. yes, you only met those people because you happen to be in the Mises Caucus, maybe potentially, or maybe, you, who knows, maybe you would have met them another way because we have Twitter and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But point being, like that, but how things happen to unfold 
secondarily to something does not make that original thing smart. So it, it doesn't make it any smarter to spend all the money to go to get a four-year degree just because I happen to meet like two of my uh, best friends right. and, and turn Lions Liberty into okay. a thing. I guess that's it, if that makes sense. No, no, it does. Well, that, that was a good way to wrap that up. Um, yeah, and yeah, you know what? I, I, I just changed your mind on everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a, a lot to think about. In yeah, it is. I, but yeah, I'm in circles um, on this stuff all the time because you know I'll, I'll I'll say to my stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's great. You shouldn't you shouldn't go to college. Then I'm like, well, I don't know. I I did a lot of great. You know, I met a lot of great people in college that I'm friends with today. Well, would I not have met great people somewhere else? Like, you know, it's it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to provide the counterfactual. Yeah. And you know, I ended up going to a uh, Votech school and. Looking back at it now, it's like, you know, maybe I should have just went to a different Votech school that all the other techs went to that I work with because I, we're all working on the same vehicle. And I knew that I was going to do this afterwards. So why didn't I just go do what they all did? Because I would be for a little bit further ahead than where I am now, but I'm still well enough <laughs> along my way. So um, I guess kind of what I wanted to get to here earlier is uh, – how important do you think it is to kind of have an established network and what does your kind of network look like now? Cause I was listening to you on J on Jason Stapleton's show a little bit earlier. Of course, my connection is unstable. These motherfuckers. Um, how You're back now, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, how important do you think it is to kind of have, ha have a established network for yourself and what does yours kind of look like? So I missed, uh, I missed the build up to that question because because uh, of the internet freeze. Yeah. Uh, but I can just go. Um, so are you specifically what? Maybe you could rephrase it because I, I just kind of got caught the tail in there. Basically, just uh, how important do you think it is to have a network? And it doesn't have to even be a political thing, but kind of like what does your network look like, and how much emphasis would you place on kind of building that? Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's an it's hugely important to have a network, and it's it's hugely important to I think more importantly is to surround yourself with people who are on a similar mission or people that are already doing the things you want to do, um, which aren't always the same as the people you like hanging out with the most. And I'm not saying don't hang out with your friends who maybe are doing different things than you, but but in terms of like networking and trying to um, you know find mentors and and get advice from people like. You don't want to get the, the advice from someone who's like not doing what you're trying to do, you yeah. want, like or is like less far on the path as, as the as you, because you should probably be advising them if you're further on a path than someone else is. You want to find people who are already doing what you're doing and and in some way, shape, or form, and, and network with them. I mean, Jason, Jason's a pretty good example. I think Jason has done a lot of things that I like aspire to do uh, in his career, and um, yeah, he's he's someone that I, I look to as like I don't want to say role model. We're around the same age. That might be a little weird, but it's someone that I, I see as like a, a good influence on me, I should say, because we've become decent friends over the years. Um, so I think, but I, I mean, uh, well, I, I want to say like, it's not important to have a, a network is in terms of like, this is an organization. But as, as I say that, I mean, I'm a fan of Jason's Nomad Network. So I think there is the benefit to forming something, you know, like, I mean, man, I, I've seen so many people in his network, uh, not to give a free ad to Jason here, but getting, connecting with each other for jobs, um, you know, hiring each other, like he'll have calls or people, well, people will just toss, uh, toss out a thing they need help with. And like five people are there to help them. So it's like, it's like, and again, they're doing that outside the politics too. So there's a million ways you can, you can organize. Um, to me, like I, I look at my network as more of just like, sort of a, a thing that just gradually sort of evolves over time. Uh, there's always like probably five or six people that I'm getting advice from at any given time. And maybe one or two of those end up rotating out a little more. And this is all nothing I even think about until someone like you asked me a question about it. But yeah, I think I, I do have a network in a sense that, um, yeah, I mean, especially like, and that's why I think like 
at least in my case, I'm not going to encourage everyone to podcast, but I'm sure for you too. I mean, um, like, I mean, if you needed a place to stay, I'd let you crash in my place. If you guys ever came down here to Mexico and we've just talked a couple times on a call, um, (laughs) as Kyle books his flight, it's like, but it's (laughs) like, I think the networking is just something that happens. The more you, the more you pursue activities of interest and activities that you're passionate about. Um, so it just so happens I was passionate about talking about these ideas of liberty and, and this and that, and I, I was able to fo- naturally network with so many people over over the years. I mean, it's crazy the kinds of people uh, that I've had lunch with and talked to and shook hands with and still make new connections with every day. So I think like the more you pursue your interests and the things that, and, and pursue the goals you want to pursue, you, you find people that are on either a similar path or have already gone further along in that path. And I think, and, or vice versa, people see you and they say, Oh, that guy's doing something I want to do. Like, you know, that guy's been podcasting for eight years. Oh my God. I want to, I want to podcast or something. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it goes every way. Um, but yeah, it, to me, it's just something to, it's something that can form naturally or it can be, you know, more of in un, under official capacity. Like we are the, uh, the Mises caucus, like network, we have our chats, we have our community and that's an official place. Maybe that's where you go first. Cause you happen to have that, the nomad network people, have their community where they go first. Um, but I don't look at it necessarily as this, this static structured thing as much as like the, the decentralized network of, of my life, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, when you were kind of bringing up the Nomad Network and the Mises Caucus, it kind of reminded me, um, I don't think I have any of the posters around, but um, I, I never really thought about this until literally right now. But um, my drummer and bass player hosts Rock for Life, and I bring it up all the time. But um, I mean, there are these huge charity shows where they literally raise thousands of dollars for sick children. And there is something beautiful, and this was taken away from us in 2020, but um, something incredibly beautiful about anywhere from 300 to 1,000 people getting together and voluntarily paying to go see a bunch of like local bands and go hang out with all people from the area and support local businesses, all with the a similar goal of basically helping a sick child. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. it's tragic, the circumstances, but to see the just outpouring of support is so awesome. And I think that's another reason kind of what I wanted to stay in Pennsylvania, because with my band and, um, you know, obviously my family's business, I'm just in with so many great people and there's so many different people I can rely on. And then, um, I did two breast cancer charity shows. I don't think I've really talked about it on the show, but um, I was able to give thousands of dollars to women who needed it for different breast cancer surgeries and different stuff like that. And I was just a, you know, 23 year old kid saying, Hey, I want to put together this benefit. And I cannot tell you how many people said, Hey, I'm going to be there to help you out. I'll run security. I'll run door. We'll do 50, 50. My band will play. Um, It's just really cool that, to have people just be able to come together for something like that. Um, so kind of while we're on the subject of goals, um, I wrote down a note earlier. Um, when it comes to relationships and um, pursuing goals and also kind of meaning, it was interesting that you brought up kind of having fun and partying in your early 20s. And I was definitely guilty of doing the same thing in my early 20s. Of I can say the same for my mid-30s too. <laughs> but I, I'd like to say I'd like to keep it to the 20s because it sounds better. But yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can make that for a lot further into my life. Right, yeah. For me, it was about until, um, I want to say probably about 20 to 24, I was living the partying lifestyle, you know, going out drinking all the time. And honestly, it wasn't a good mental place for me, despite the fact that I was successful with women 
and I was successful with friends. And Which I makes had, you feel like you're doing great. Right. Well, if you looked on the outside from the 19-year-old kid that I was and from the other kids I hung around with, they admired me and they thought I was a great guy and they thought I was so successful. But honestly, I didn't feel good about myself at all. I didn't yep. feel mentally good. Um, it, it just wasn't a good place because if I didn't have that that chick coming over or I wasn't going out to a party, I wasn't going out to the bar, I didn't feel good at all. It's a sugar so, rush. Right. All it is. Yeah. Quite literally in the case of alcohol, like it's just a, it's just a really extreme <laughs> sugar rush. I mean, it's, it's no different than, yeah, like a kid's going to want the brownie and he's going to feel great when he takes the brownie, but he's yeah. going to, you know, he's going to feel shitty later. So I, I guess my uh, point and kind of bring it back to this was um, when you met your wife and we don't have to go into real personal details, but um, did you mind. cut, well, did you kind of notice um, that your life kind of seemed a lot more stable? So like for me, um, funny enough, my fiance blew me off on two different dating apps and I met her when I was hammered <laughs> off. My, right. I, I've never told. Well, that's a small podcast. town. If you can recognize someone from not like not getting connecting on the app, like, Hey, you didn't swipe me. Well, well okay. So she did swipe me. Right. But I asked for her number on two uh, different apps. She ghosted and, you. It's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I, I saw <laughs> two her. different apps. You were, you really were serious about this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm like, man, she's gorgeous. So, um, <laughs> I was hammered off my ass and my band was playing, um, I don't know, the poster right above that uh, Sid Strong toy jar one. You probably can't even read it, but um, there's literally a flyer right above that where I met her. I was completely shit-faced. I recognized her and I actually went up and I talked to who's my drummer now. He wasn't my drummer then. I went up and I talked to him just to kind of check her out and make sure it was who she was. And uh, sure enough, you know, long story short, we're now getting married in November. Um but the reason why I'm kind of going down this rabbit hole is because I've noticed that mentally I feel so much better. My life is so much more stable. Um, oh, yeah. I get up and go to bed at the same time. And really what I find is most meaningful to me is when we get to go to Florida, when we get to go out and try a new restaurant and when we get to do things together, when we get to take our dogs somewhere. And, and as silly as that all sounds to me, that's so much more meaningful than a hookup, yes. than going and getting yeah. hammered. Um, you name the you know sugar rush experience. All that we do together is so much more meaningful than all that. Um, do you kind yes. of resemble that and feel that as well? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think like it's what like, cause I think even the 20, like, or maybe your own 19 year old self, for example, could listen to you say, describe what you do with your uh, fiance now and, and say, well, that sounds boring. Like, you know, we go to the bar and I and, and get laid. This is way more fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is just a matter of eating the healthy it's, to just continue the food analogy. I guess it's, you feel better when you eat healthier food and you, and you feel better when you're with a stable you know, in a stable relationship with the right person who you really vibe with, who you really know is the right person because you actually took the time to get to know that was the right person and decided that not because they looked hot or, you know, you saw them across the bar or whatever. Um, the other thing feels so good in the moment. You know, it's like, you know, you know how it is. You know, you bring some chick home, you some hot chick home, and then you're, you know, you're like, man, I'm a man. Like, yeah, this chick wanted me. And the next day comes and, you know, maybe you hang out the next day sometimes. I don't know, but you don't, you don't, it's not like she leaves and you feel good. Yeah. You know, you, you just have that feeling like, you know, it's, it's, it's not actually fulfilling. It's not actually fulfilling. It's just temporary pleasure, which is tempting because we're humans and we like temporary pleasure, but it's not actually what helps you grow. It's not actually what, what brings you that fulfillment. And, 
you know, like I've been in long relationships before my wife too. And I didn't, I still was in that party mode. I still was in that. So it's, it's not just being in any relationship necessarily. It really is about being with that right person. Who's on that same wavelength of you who doing just something like taking a walk is like a really amazing activity because that's how much, you know, just being around each other, um, you know, works, works for you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, one thing that I kind of noticed too, is that I see other people who kind of started off dating in this hookup culture and met through hookup culture. And they carried that attitude later on. And I noticed that when they're older, their relationships are pretty rocky. And it's funny because um, people will like, they kind of criticize me at first when my fiance and I first started dating. And it wasn't like we sat down, had a conversation, said, hey, we want kids, we want to get married we both kind of knew that we had similar goals in mind. Right. And I remember, I think we were dating for maybe like six months or so at the time. And I said, yeah, well, we both want to have kids. We both want to get married. And my one coworker who's in his fifties and he, funny enough, he was divorced twice. He said, Oh, you're crazy for, you know, talking about having kids this early. And I'm like, well, this is kind of important because what happens if we get a few years down the line and then decide we have completely separate goals? Like, no, we have very, very similar goals. And it, we were together two and a half years before I even proposed. So it's like we thoroughly vetted each other and we know that we're both compatible people and that we want to spend the rest of our lives together and that we want to have a successful life family together because this is something that we, her and I both didn't have and both our stories are a little bit different. But, um, you know, it, it's really cool to think for me and there's nothing that excites me more than thinking that I can change the trajectory of my family by being with somebody who brings out a better version of me because I was never able to nail in all the health stuff and everything I have going on in my life without her. And it's not necessarily just because of her and it's not like I couldn't have done it without her, but um, it, it, having someone in my life like my fiance now has really just kind of completed everything for me and allowed me to prosper to the best of my ability. So um, I would never, um, I really encourage people to, you shouldn't completely abstain and be 100% socially conservative, but you should always be on the lookout for somebody that is going to bring out the best in you. And if you- I'm not saying not to enjoy your youth kids, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Don't be afraid to go out and have a beer. But uh, yeah. at the same time, I'll have one with you. I mean, believe me, yeah. it's, uh, I'm, 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 my shadow is all, not, 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 not that that's necessarily a shadow, but like all of this stuff lives within all of us and it's not all good or bad, but it's about finding the right balance at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just encourage people to find somebody that you're very compatible with and vet them very, very well. And preferably don't meet within hookup culture just because that initial spark you shouldn't base your whole life around that. So if you think just because you had a one night stand with somebody that you could marry somebody, you have no idea what this person is going to look like six months down the road. Right. <laughs> and that's what I feel like a lot of the hookup culture is. And there's something to be learned there. And I know I definitely learned there, but I don't think it's a sustainable path for anybody. At least it wasn't for me. No, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, yes, I guess somebody could just live a hookup life for mm -hmm. like 20 years. But was, is that going to be a fulfilling life? Probably, Probably not. I mean, maybe like maybe there's exceptions to everything. Maybe there are people that are just like uh, just only hook up and have done that for 20 or 30 years and they're perfectly happy or they say they are or they think they are. 
Mm. I might question the truth of that, but you know, I, it's, it's possible. So I'm not going to say there's, there's never a, a diamond in the rough. <laughs> right. And, and you know, it's uh it's definitely different strokes for different folks, but I know, like I said, for me, I um, can just speak it like, just like you, like we're about to say probably before I cut you off, like we can just speak from yeah. our own experience. Like I can't say therefore everybody should, uh, you know, do this or that and should marry this person or that person. I don't think anyone should run off and get married just because some podcaster said they should or something like that. But you know, I would also say just keep your mind open to stuff that you might think isn't that cool. Like, I guess that would be my advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've been shooting the shit for about an hour now. Um, I guess one thing that I kind of want to hit on before we rock and roll out here, what do you do to kind of decompress? Because on the last show, we kind of talked about, I think, kind of like your meditation practices and your morning ritual, but whatever you feel like you kind of need a break from the political stuff, um, what does a Mark Claire look like when he's not hosting Lines of Liberty and maybe you need a week off? Oh, a week off. I don't know if I've taken a week off ever. <laughs> but <laughs> a like couple days, when, you know. But when I go on vacation, I'm like, realize, I like, I don't even realize it. I'm like, just like, find myself editing a podcast. I'm like, what am I doing? What, like, I didn't even, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Um, what does a day, well, I mean, if I'm really trying to unwind or like just relax, I mean, there's, there's different kinds of things. There's, am I trying to take take myself out of work or am I just, do I need like stress relief? Because like stress relief, I try to start my day now with either a run or a swim because we have a place with a, a pool now and there's no one in the pool in the morning. So it's pretty awesome to like start my day with a swim. Because But getting that energy out ahead of time can kind of like prevent, not prevent, but curtail like how, how bad I might re react to a frustrating moment or what have you uh, later on. But just generally speaking, like for me, the things that, take my mind to um, my wife uses the word samadhi getting samadhi on something it's like a meditation hindu hippie term or something but it's like when you're fully immersed in something that you forget the world around you it's what happens when we get into like a movie like our body we start to get scared of and we're a horror movie because like our body we get so immersed in it that we're we're essentially living in it you know like that so like i try to do that with other mediums like either books like right now i'm reading uh dune i've never read the dune series and so i i'm reading like that for like an hour a day um comics obviously i'm a huge comic fan secondprintcomics.com we just did 100 episodes uh so that's like my podcast therapy away from like political podcasting once in a while things get a little political nowadays because it just you just can't avoid it mm -hmm. because the wokeness is everywhere and we've decided to just you know we, we tried to veer away from it but at some point the wokeness is everywhere so it's like we can either ignore it which is almost like capitulating to it or we call it out. So now we call it, yeah. call it out a little bit more. And of course, my lifelong passion is pro wrestling. So if I really want to really forget everything, I just need to relax, grab mm -hmm. a drink, and like put on some classic, awesome wrestling match that I know I'm going to just mm -hmm. enjoy and just get immersed in it and live in it. And then you know I can come back out to the real world and whatever was bothering me before is fine. And of course, like we said, spending time with my wife. My wife is just, is, she's my muse. And I mean, uh, you know, she makes me laugh. She makes me smile. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on. Like, you know, just going and sitting with her for a few minutes or right now we've, we've taken to a little bit to, to, to explain my Jason, Jason Stapleton, Mexican, Mexican Jason Stapleton lifestyle out here. Uh, we live in like this resort town. We don't live in a resort. Uh, we rent a house, but we live in a town where there are a bunch of resorts. Mm -hmm. And uh, so like, sometimes if you find the right deals, like they have these things called day passes for like $60. You can go spend the day at the resort. And cause until now, sometimes we'll go like today we went out to lunch and I'm like, why didn't we do this again? I said, we spent like $60 on lunch. Um, and then, but that's the same price as, as like a day pass at, a, at an all inclusive resort. So you can spend the entire day at a resort mm -hmm. and 
and eat and drink just whatever to your, to your heart's desires. And but sometimes now, because now it's the low season, because it, it's prices get a lot cheaper in like at least where we are in Mexico, in like in like July, August, September, because it's just so fucking hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what AC is for, so I'm fine. Uh, but uh, now if you if you play it right and you watch the deals, sometimes like last week we got a, not just a room, we got a room at an all inclusive resort for one night. For less than two day passes would have cost. So, so now, so, and then you get the whole day and the next morning. So then you get the night and the breakfast and everything too. So you actually get like all the meals. So that's the real, that's like, that's a real, like how we just leave and literally leave the house. And like, it's like a vacation within, within the time we do. So like, that's just like, it's like a good reset. You know, we come out, well, we come out feeling tired from drinking too much. So, but after another day, we feel, we feel reset and refreshed and then I'm good again. But yeah, I mean, I, I've leaned, it's funny. Like, I, I think I've, the less I have worked, well, no, that's not funny. That makes sense. The, the less that I have a full-time job, the more I spend time doing other things. Mm-hmm. Like part of me knows there are days that, yeah, I probably should work like, and there are days I work 12, 14 hours a day uh, on other stuff. Like there, there are days I wake up and get my routine because I just get into something. And next thing I know, it's fucking 8 or 10 p.m. And I just spent like 14 hours working. Um, so those days happen. Um, but I do spend a lot more time focusing on myself, <laughs> you know, focusing on my own health, on getting better sleep, on spending time mm-hmm. with my wife, my stepson, and like, yeah, my bank account's not as high as when I didn't have any time for that stuff. And I spent uh, 40 hours a week at a full-time job mm-hmm. and I spent another many hours freelancing. Oh, by the way, I have two podcasts. So I spent way more time, had more money coming in, yeah. but I'm way happier now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there you go. Right. And, and I think to sum that up nicely would be uh, basically happiness isn't always a, a number in a bank account and uh, something that I always look forward to. And it's funny my coworkers bust my balls and kind of bitch about food being expensive, but I've always been of the mind, like if the experience was nice, I don't care what the price is. Now, obviously within reason, like we've gone to Ruth's Chris steakhouse and paid like 250. Oh, it's so good, but $250 for a dinner. Um, it's a little much. Um, yeah. There's a, uh, a can't fire. do it all the time, but right. it, I don't mind. Like when I, if I know I'm going out to, to a nice place and I know I'm going to spend that money, and I have an amazing meal, I'm not upset. It's when you go to the nice place or a nice place that's supposed to be nice and you spend that money, but it wasn't amazing. That's when I'm pissed off. That's when I'm like, man, I just should have just eaten whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, um, we're going, we got dinner reservations this weekend, but I'm super excited to go because this is a restaurant I've been wanting to go back to for quite a while. Um, but yeah, like I, I really don't care about the number of my bank account if, as long as we can go out somewhere and just enjoy a nice meal and enjoy a margarita or something like that. Like uh, I found myself saying I want margaritas a lot more often. Here's lately. the thing though, too, like what, what you talked about earlier, like the fact that like you could lose your job and have a job tomorrow. You're never going to go homeless because your community and this and that, like it doesn't really matter what numbers in your bank account. Mm-hmm. You're wealthy. You're extremely wealthy Yeah, because Honestly. you have you are like, that's, that's real comfort. Like that's, that's a real um, net to fall into. A job is not that a lot of yeah. people feel more comfortable, feel more stable in a full-time job. That's one of the things I try to convey a lot too. Cause I had a stable full-time job too, but at some point maybe it becomes unbearable or maybe, you know, maybe they're going to make you do something you shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, so to, to find way. And so like, there's a lot of that, like get rich quick, bro, or not get rich quick, but get just get rich, bro. Kind of criticism of like people that talk this way, talk about like earning more money and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, but to me it's, and Jason says this a lot too. It's not the wealth is not, it's, and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with the network. The network is the wealth, the yeah. community 
is the wealth. Um, yes, having money in your bank account is the wealth too, but I have less money in my bank account and I will have no qualm saying I definitely am more wealthy now um, because I've, I've developed more skills. I have multiple sources of income. Um, I'm continuing to grow them. Um, my network has expanded and you know, I, I, I think I'm in a much better position to handle the storm than I was even, even in nine months ago, let alone two years ago. Yeah, and maybe this is why I never took any of the criticisms that the post-libertarians or people who've kind of moved out of the libertarian camp um, to heart because it just never affected me. I don't see the issue with any of it because I think they're all valid criticisms. So, uh, yeah, man, um, I really enjoy talking to you. It's always uh, – I enjoy listening to every single podcast you're on. I enjoy listening to your well, show. Well, thank you. Yeah, of course. And I enjoy, uh, you know, just shooting the shit with you as well. So, For sure, brother. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, if you got anything going on, cool. Let me know and uh, do plugs and let's uh, get on out of here, dude. I do have some things going on. Well, Lions of Liberty, of course, uh, as we discussed, I'm always tweeting at Mark Declare. Um, I'm sure you'll like people at Dark Mark. Yeah, I should change it to Dark Mark. Um, but yeah, and then, like I mentioned, I just we just passed 100 episodes. Me and my friend Remzo Martinez uh, just did 100 episodes of the Second Print Comics podcast. That was birthed in the pandemic. We tried to uh, escape the end of the world by creating a podcast, a comic book podcast, and it's still going strong. And we've, we've developed a nice little community over there. So if you're into comics or even just pop culture, because we are actually expanding the show and we're doing a second show a week now looking at both new comics, because uh, it's mostly like a, a show about older comics and, that, and older stories and that sort of thing. Um, but now we're going to work in new comics and also TV, movie type stuff um, in the same sort of sphere. So something for everybody. Uh, so if you like hearing, if you're like Kyle and you like hearing every podcast I'm on, you might want to check it out. Um, and then I should mention, I'm also going to be well, not so much speaking. I'll be, I'm going to be doing a live podcast uh, along with Clint uh, from Liberty Lockdown and uh, Reed Coverdale. We're going to be doing a live podcast together at Yal Revolution in Orlando, which is August 5th and 6th. I believe that live podcast is on the 5th. So um, if anybody's in the area, or even if they're not in the area, planes exist still. So just you know, consider coming down, checking us out. Um, I will. I don't want to say I will buy you a beer, no matter if, if so, if, because because I will buy the first person to say hi to me a beer, and everybody else I will have a beer with. But I can't guarantee I'll buy a beer for everybody, or else I might find myself broke really quick. First person to say, "Hey, Mark Claire, you got a beer? How about that?" So if I find you and say, "Dark Mark, you'll buy me a beer, though, right?" Yeah, that, that any any variation will do. Yes. <laughs> Nice, dude. A beer or a drink of choice. You know, if you're doing keto and you want the whiskey, like beer is generic for drink. Oh, yeah. Well, I I typically only drink. It's either. Did did I cut out? Yeah, I did. God damn it. Right at the end, too, huh? Right at the end. Oh, my God. Every time it freezes, like it it takes about seven seconds and then it comes back to the word that the last word you were saying and then jumps quickly forward in time. Most of the times I was able to just chill and then I still knew what you were saying. So I just kind of rolled with it. But yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, you're, 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 you're but mine way, was great. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a way better podcast host than me. Um, oh, come on. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's either the hard stuff or the white claws. Anyways, dude, like I said, I love talking. I love listening to all the shows that you're on and thanks um, brother. Appreciate yeah, it. Dude. We'll definitely do it again. So, uh, if not else, we'll uh, close her out. All right, brother. Cool. Good talking to you, man. Take care. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.